Welcome to Wine and Murder Night, a podcast where two friends discuss and drink to their favorite cozy mysteries. I'm Carolyn Wilkie. And I'm Sabrina Malshausen. Today is our first, second brunch episode. It's a brunch episode. <laughs> it's our first one. We've never right. had brunch. Also, um, so we were trying to figure out when to record this, and she was like, let's do a brunch episode. And in my head, I'm thinking, God, Carol is so white. (laughs) I was going to ask if you were a brunch person. I am not. Oh, man, I love brunch. It is very, I mean, I totally, I will cop to being like a super basic bitch about brunch (laughs) because I fucking love it. So we, we were trying to align our schedules, which is like, you know, herding cats. And I prepped for the brunch episode i bought actually two bottles of sparkling wine trying to figure out what i was going to drink um and then i didn't go to the grocery store yesterday so instead of having mimosas like we planned (laughs) i'm just drinking straight prosecco (laughs) i'm i'm drinking a mimosa because i already had the orange juice I had to get the Prosecco. My fridge is a sorry, sorry state right now. It's awful. I have, and A, it smells really bad. I cannot figure what the fuck smells so bad in my fridge. Like, I threw out any of the produce that looked like it was turning. I I literally have nothing in my fridge except for, like, pickles, uh, a couple things of butter. Um, I don't even have any eggs. I have, like, some dressings that are all tightly capped and don't smell and then like some cheese and that's it and i cannot my fridge stinks so bad Could it i cannot fit the freezer no i don't think so but i will check that's i mean it's worth checking but like i've got like i mean at this point i'm almost like shit right after this podcast i'm going to have to like go fucking clean my entire fridge so that it will stop smelling it makes me not want to open the fridge i'm sorry it's okay <sighs> problems prosecco problems <laughs> so what is your prosecco so what am i what am i drinking i am drinking uh demanda it is a prosecco doc so it is actually from italy which means you would hate it actually my prosecco is from italy too good uh but yeah i got this one um i went to the fancy wine store that's by where i work and it was between this one and I have a rose sparkling rosé as well in the fridge. Mm-hmm. But this one was like uh, one of the lowest cost Proseccos they have at the store. It was only like $11 after tax. And I was like, there, so a couple, again, going back to the basic bitch life. Um, we, a couple girlfriends and I had started drinking this Prosecco called La Marca, like, four or five years ago and granted in texas all of the prices are a lot cheaper for some reason i don't know if it's just like cheaper to import stuff or whatever but when we started drinking it la marca was like 10 11 12 sometimes if you didn't find it on sale and like now yes colorado is more expensive than texas is but like la marca was like 18 fucking dollars and I was like, I'm never paying $18 for La Marca. It's a decent Prosecco, but it's not an 18 fucking dollar Prosecco. I don't, I don't spend that much money on any wine, so... Right! Well, neither <laughs> do I. Like, I will spend that much money if I'm taking, like, a hostess gift. Yes. You know? 
Like, I'm giving true. it to somebody else. But I don't value myself at $18 wine. <laughs> Mine is uh, Costco brand. Costco brand. <laughs> and it is actually from Italy. It's a product of Italy. And okay. it's a, uh, a solo prosecco. And um, it's a spumante, so it's quite dry. But um, extra spumante. And it is... After taxes, it was seven dollars and fifty six cents. <laughs> and uh, Costco. Yeah, it's Kirkland's signature. It's just <laughs> it just happens to be. Um, it doesn't even have a fucking year. I have no idea what year it is. Yeah, I'm uh, looking at this one and I can't find the year on it either. <laughs> so um, I'm just gonna assume that. young, young prosecco. <laughs> I'm gonna say 2017. I think that's <laughs> yeah. what the label said. Um, yeah, and I'm drinking Lidl orange juice. Of course I am. Oh, Are you a pulp or no pulp? Um, no. I love pulp when I'm getting orange juice for myself, but I'm a no pulp for mimosas. I can't stand pulp. I don't chew my juice. I drink my juice. That's where the fiber is. That's what's the good part for you. You get fiber in every other thing that you eat if you eat healthy. You don't need it in your juice as well. Like, just... <laughs> Eat some fucking spinach, like, if you need fiber, like, and we don't really need fiber unless we're, like, constantly constipated, and there's only a few moments in your life when you're constipated, when you're on your period, or if you spent a week eating nothing but fast food, then, then you need the fiber, you don't need, it's not like we are a fiber-hungry people, we're, we're animals, we're not, we're not ruminating, you know, herbivores. We don't need as much fiber as everyone tells us we do. And I don't understand what it is like about, oh my god, I need some We poop. If you don't, if you poop normally, you don't need to have much fiber. Like, you're fine. Well, you're you fine. know who could probably use some fiber in her diet? Lady Camilla, one of the characters in today's episode. Uh, do you want to get right to it? Of course. Today, we're reviewing Agatha Christie's Marple, Season 3, Episode 3, Towards Zero. I loved the intro to this particular episode. It was so 1950s Hitchcock. Mm -hmm. Like, you, in every other cozy mystery we've seen, I think, so far, the intro is very here's the setup for the story and this one went to a very vintage place where it was just like the waves and the beach and mm -hmm. the sunset and the music and even the title card that came up was it looked like almost like the vertigo font yes. from Hitchcock now granted I have already referenced like one of the two Hitchcock movies I've seen so <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm at but I just thought that was such a cool, fun intro, and it really set the tone for the rest of the episode. I thought it was very, very fun. Yes, and we're, we've been watching a lot of 1950s episodes, so these are, uh, they're always a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. Post-war Britain um, is either depressing or fun, and uh, Agatha Christie made it fun because she was wealthy, so... <laughs> <laughs> Of course it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us right to a party. So we see Miss Marple kind of sitting on a couch 
uh, talking to people while these couples dance around. We have uh, my first five British actors sighting. Cheerio, back soon. I don't know somehow. I miss you. I love you. That's why I. Um, Julian Sands is talking to a woman over in the corner. Julian Sands is in 24, and that's the main thing I know him from. And I fucking love 24 to a degree that is unhealthy. He plays a Russian in 24, and I think he's the most... See, he's beautiful. And he, but he's he weird. is a good-looking person. He's weird, beautiful, like Benedict Cumberbatch. Like he's the British looks, beautiful. Yeah, it's the British beautiful. It's not. It's only beautiful in the context of Britain, because outside of Britain, it's like. <laughs> I mean, I think there's an appreciation. It's like uh, fashion models, right? Like they're yeah. beautiful in very specific contexts, and the British beautiful is in the context of "please speak to me with your accent." I suppose, which is <laughs> which means that I definitely have a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> like I am not an attractive person, and I'm okay with that. I'm only attractive in two instances: when my hair is done properly, and I have makeup that includes eyeshadow and lipstick. My work look only includes a very, very pale, almost nude lipstick and no eyeshadow and no eye makeup whatsoever because my eyes are super sensitive. But when I'm very dressed up, I am incredibly good looking, but only in that specific instance. Yeah, it's very much a context thing. Like, I have a full face of makeup on right now, but, like, I slept in it. So... (laughs) <laughs> do not have makeup on I don't wear makeup at the weekends and um and so it's very like it's a face for podcasting <laughs> aside from Julian Sands at this party we don't really get a whole we don't get really introduced to any of these characters uh, except for Frederick Treves. Except for Frederick Treves, who is sitting next to Miss Marple and mansplaining murder to her. Also, he's <laughs> the fucking doctor. It's Tom Baker. Cheerio. Back soon. I don't know somehow. I miss you. I love you. That's why I... Cheerio. Goodbye. Holy fucking shit, Sabrina. <laughs> Just ban me from the podcast. You are banned from the podcast. I love... At the beginning pre-recording she goes I didn't really recognize a lot of five British actors and in my head I'm going I hope you recognize the fucking doctor or we're I not did not speak- recognize the fucking doctor we're not speaking anymore it's, <laughs> it's gonna be a boring ass episode <laughs> it's literally everybody's favorite doctor too like of all the doctors he's everyone's favorite because he was the doctor for the longest so mm-hmm. he's everyone's favorite and he's the one with the big scarf right yes it's Tom Baker Everyone's favorite doctor. I'm assuming he's still alive. See, this is where I fail. (laughs) I definitely... Well, so, speaking of five British actors, I saw a five British actor in the wild, and I didn't even realize it. So, I've been watching all these stupid Christmas movies on Netflix, and I love them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say stupid as a a compliment. Yeah, you you won't catch me dead. He's still (laughs) alive. You won't catch me dead watching any of this. A, because they're all fucking white people. 
There are actually uh, <laughs> starting to be a, a whole section of Christmas movies that are not starring white people. Um, I mean, actually, the next one on my list is not starring a white person. Oh. But um, you are correct. There's not a very there's not a lot of diversity in it, but it is something's changing. I will I will absolutely say that. Like that if you had said that to me last year, I couldn't have couldn't have combat that. I'm sorry. <laughs> there is pulp in this orange juice that said no pulp. <laughs> Fuck. Fire. Fire the orange juice. Fire have, your co-host. I, I fire to, everything. I have to take this back to legal. Money <laughs> refunded and the item replaced. I don't want the fucking item replaced because it's not fucking pulp. It's got one piece of pulp in it. I think it's okay. But um, Okay. I'm glad you're going to survive. Uh, but no, so I've been watching all these stupid Christmas movies and they recap, like they did a sequel. Um, so A Christmas Prince was last year's breakout hit. Oh yeah, um, isn't this year like they got married and she's scared that she's doing a poor job or something? No, yes, but uh, so that's not really the plot. But yes, in, in, <laughs> it's it's a Christmas Prince, the royal wedding is the sequel that came out this year, and I just watched it, and they completely recast the dad. And as you probably know from any movie that has like a fake European country, all of the fake European countries have British accents, but she is from New York, and. Uh, in the first movie, like, we get to see her dad, and they have a really cute relationship, and her dad's name is Rudy, and he owns a diner, but they recast him. And so then I looked up the old actor, who so I was like, well, did he die? Should I not be mad about this? No, it just turns out he's fucking British, and he's in Snatch. <laughs> <laughs> the television show or the film? The television show. Oh, and that's nice. why he didn't do the second one. <laughs> he was probably recording that. Yeah. For a lot more money. Uh... Mr. Treves is sitting there talking about murder, and we get this big monologue about how murder end should be the end of a, a story and not the beginning of the story, and how everything is circling and circling and circling towards zero. I actually went to a murder mystery dinner party. Mm-hmm. And... Um, my character was named, I was the head housekeeper, Mrs. Witherings. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was either a widow or a spinster. So it was really weird because I was Mrs. Witherings, but then they described me as a spinster. And I was like, mm. uh, her name wouldn't be Mrs. No. She would be Miss. But uh, anyway, that's not the point. I was, we were, we were ad-libbing and things like that. And I go, you know, murders are always the end. But where is the beginning? So I was referencing Told Zero. Did anybody get it? No! I had to fucking explain where it came from. But um, I also I also had to help someone pronounce paracetamol, which is uh, ibuprofen, um, and also gato. The cook could pronounce gato. Um, oh. and I, but I did get best actress. Yay! Which... Which isn't difficult to do because I was the only one that had the accent. So, although somebody did an amazing, <laughs> somebody did an amazing Billy Bob Thornton. Like he was oh, playing, fine. he was he was playing you know retired general, and his well, I voted for him for best actor because he was amazing. Yeah, you you're playing with like a little bit of a, uh, you're like a ringer bringing you into a murder mystery party. Yeah, I know. I hope the next time I get invited, um, I'm going to work on my French accent because there's this uh, dramatic uh, vi uh, like violinist 
who's like a concert violinist and stuff, and whose Stradivarius has been stolen. So I'm going to work think, on my French accent for that. I think for my birthday, not this coming year, for the 30, but the next year, I want to do like Airbnb, like a big old fucking manor, mm-hmm. and do like an overnight murder mystery party with a bunch of friends. We'll have to yeah. plan that. Yeah, it'd be lovely. But after we get like the title explained to us, I know, right? we go three months earlier in a flashback scene with Neville and his wife Kay waking up and having All right. Some- so, speaking of Neville and his wife Kay. Uh, both of them No, only one of them is a British actor. And that would be Neville. Neville Strange. Cheerio, back soon. I don't know somehow. I'm Michelle. I love you. That's why I Cheerio. Not goodbye. What has he been in? Played by Greg Wise. He was Lord Mountbatten in The Crown. Oh. See, I haven't seen The Crown. I would not have recognized him. I get the mots whenever I watch The Crown because of, um, <laughs> I get mots because of, uh, what's his face? Weird looking fuck who was also a doctor. Matt Smith. Yeah, him. He gives me serious gates of the mots, which, as you guys know, is secondhand embarrassment. Shit. I feel like we should, at this point, re-explain the five British actor thing. <laughs> like, I feel like once a series, we should explain the five British actor thing. So. Especially since we had 12 last time. Yeah. When you're talking about British actors in television shows, there's a Venn diagram. Murder mysteries, other television shows, and they're all one big circle. Um... <laughs> Five British actors are actors who have been in multiple things and are recognizable to American audiences. Now, that being said, um, Carol is not that observant. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I, actually, no. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> fair enough. I'm not gonna, yeah. I roll low on my perception checks. Um, <laughs> and I, I happen to be a rogue, so my perception yeah. is very high. <laughs> but no, I, um... The other the, the the idea is that you typically there are only five British actors in the world, and they all show up in everything. So whenever we say a five British actor, it's because they show up in everything. Which is weird because because it's an island, they don't have a <laughs> lot of people on them, and so just like the incest issue, you have an actor issue. There are only so many actors in Britain to begin with. It's it's BBC cest. Yeah. There are only so many actors in Britain to begin with, so they have to do a lot of stuff. BB-cest, I guess? BB-cest, yeah, BB-cest. <laughs> so the concept really is that Kay is like trying to get out of going to Devon, where Camilla, Neville's adopted mother, lives. Lady Tr- See, you call her by a first name, I'm like, it's Lady fucking Tresalian, but... Okay, well, yeah, because I'm American, and therefore we don't have any sense of decorum. Also, yeah, Americans tend to do the first name. But I love this scene because it's almost directly from the book. The dialogue is almost directly out of the book. The stage managing is a little different, but the dialogue is ripped straight from the book. So this is one of the episodes that stays, that cleaves very close to the book. Um, but what comes out of this is that Devin basically, or sorry, Neville wants to go to Devon because he really wants his white current wife and ex-wife to be friends. Yeah, fuck that. Neville, come the fuck on. In my, in my mind, I'm thinking, no, he wants a threesome. 
and he wants everyone to be okay with this. But you can't yeah. say this Neville's, in 1955. Yeah. <laughs> but you, so you can't say you want a threesome, but you're like, oh, I kind of want to be, you know, it'd be great if we got... If we all got together and we're BFF. Yeah, yeah. BFF, but in a sexy way. Yes. We also, then we get to see Lady Tresalian herself, who is talking to her maid, who is a fine British actor that I recognize. She is. It's Joe Woodcock, right? No, oh, it's Julie, Julie Graham. Oh, I didn't recognize Julie Graham. Yes, I did. I have her. Mary, written. yeah, I, totally. I have there her. is no way no. you did not recognize Julie Graham. Uh, Guys, I can't the... explain how shit my handwriting is. She, <laughs> she squeezed into the bottom of my notebook, and it says, it doesn't, it looks like Zulia Zara. <laughs> That's what my handwriting looks like. But now that I see it, it's all this Julie Graham, who plays Mary Alden. She's in Death in Paradise, Midsummer Murders. She's also in Shetland. Shetland! I'm sorry, Shetland is like my absolute favorite murder mystery of any category. Yeah, so. it's, it's my favorite British noir because in Shetland they speak a dialect of Norwegian. And what? so, yeah. So, oh, in that one episode, right? Yeah, no. Episode? But it's actually a thing in the actual Shetland, like in real life, because. Norwegian settled Shetland first and then the Scots mm-hmm. came over. So, like, they do speak a... You, no Norwegian would understand it, but it's an old dialect. So, it's really... It's like cool. Newfoundland, where you can't really... Like, you... The first time you see Newfoundland in a, a movie or whatever, you don't know where it is because mm-hmm. they don't sound Canadian, but they don't sa- they sound Scottish and Irish and mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> so Shetland is closer to Norway than it's than it is to Scotland. Yeah. And there's a whole plot. I love Shetland as well. There's a whole Shetland's plot so about Norwegian soldiers during World War Two. Mm-hmm. So. Strong, strong recommend from both sides of the podcast on Shetland if you've never seen it. Oh yeah, it's it. great. also the cinematography is fucking Amazing. Because it's a Scandi Noir in English. It's a, it's a Scandi Noir dressed up in Scottish accents. But we find out that Camilla hates Kay. Yes. She hates her. She talks about Audrey and she says something very British hostile. Uh, she was so nearly such a good wife about Audrey, Neville's ex. And in the book, you understand that Kay is vivacious and sporty and can handle Neville's. Neville is not a good tennis player like he is in the show. That's one of the mm. plot differences. He's he's an athlete. He's an all-around athlete. He plays everything quite well. He's a strong swimmer. He plays tennis. He does this. He does that. He's a sailor. So they focused on one thing, but in the book, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. And Tresalian even says in the book the same thing. Audrey just was too much of a homebody and couldn't deal with his lifestyle. But she hates Kay for many, basically thinking she's a gold digger. And she, you know, she's not wrong. Not a reason to hate somebody, but she's not wrong. Um, And she also hates that she hangs around with uh, Ted, who... And I had to look this up and, you know, sorry for repeating it, but has a touch of the Dago. Oh, yeah. Dago <laughs> is super like... racist. It's an Italian. 
Um, yeah, I was like, what the fuck is that? I have never heard this term before. I actually wrote that down under Ted Latimer, who's a five British actor. Cheerio, back soon. I don't know, somehow I miss I know, the Brits have all sorts of words for racist things, but yeah, I don't know why they call Italian singers. I just know that that's one. Oh, and, so I looked it up, so I do know why this oh, actually is. It's good. not specific to Italians. That's true. It is actually Southern specific Europeans. to Spaniards uh, because of a British mispronunciation uh, of Diego. Oh, nice. Nice. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's, nice? I... it's, it's, it's Southern European. Like, they're, yeah. they're slightly, they're, they're kind of olive. So they're obviously yeah. lazy and will steal your women. It's it's a problem. Yeah. Britain is a problem in and of itself. <laughs> but um Yes. There you go. <laughs> Let's just sum up every movie or every TV show we watch with Britain is a problem. <laughs> yeah. So many problems. So we are still three months ago and Latimer, our our friend that we were just discussing, shows up at a ne- tennis match that Neville is in. Yes. And he's talking to Kay about oh. going to Devon. His his five printed action is his uh, Death in Paradise. It's Paul Nichols, and he was in Death in Paradise. And it's an episode I've seen very recently, actually. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, so he's a five printed actor as well. He shows up for Neville's match, and uh, Neville, like you said, is actually doing quite well. But on his serve, the ball is called out. But it was very clearly, even to a person who doesn't know tennis very well, like myself, not out. But Neville concedes the match anyway, because the other guy had the match point. Yeah, and he's so sporting. He's so... Yeah, Latimer remarks that that's Neville's problem. He doesn't ever contest that. Uh, He's too too sporting. Mm -hmm. Which, from what we know of Neville right now, is pretty fair. Like, he wants his wife ex-wife to be friends with his wife and like he is conceding the match and so we're building up this idea of Neville's character very very quickly but everybody heads out to Devon and not only uh do Neville and Kay head out but we get to see uh Mary driving down in her little VW yes to pick up Julian Sands's character whose name is in here, but I forget what it Thomas, is. Royd. It's Thomas Royd. <laughs> Thomas Royd. And this is another scene, this driving scene where she's picking him up and taking him back up to the manor is intentionally 1950s-esque. Yes. Like, it's it's beautifully, it's like, it literally looks like To Catch a Thief. Mm-hmm. Like, out of that beautiful Cary Grant, Grace Kelly scene where they're driving in the the... What are those fucking called? Convertible with the top down and everything like that. Of course, she's in this little VW bug, but like you can tell that, like, I, I don't know. I was just so impressed by the directing in this particular episode. Mm-hmm. Like, they filmed the scene and then in the windows, they intentionally kind of like slowed it down and filtered it and like made it look like they were driving against a backdrop instead yeah. of driving against an actual like forest or whatever the actual like scenery was mm-hmm. and i just thought that was such a little cool trick of filmmaking in yeah. this episode like i was so charmed um but royd is 
clearly from the area um and but hasn't been there for a while and Mm -hmm. so like she's telling him a lot about like the vile new hotel across the way yeah um he's talking a little bit about like asking about like his brother who had been visiting and like died in a car crash and he was so confused as like what he was even doing there Mm -hmm. and then we cut down to neville who is just staring down at the waves crashing on the cliff (laughs) i love this scene well for one it's not neville in the book that's doing it but for the second i love how miss marple is like no don't do it she like immediately (laughs) like goes to save him yeah it was really cute um she definitely thinks he wants to jump but he's like oh no 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 i'm just like here as i live here it's, this is a five. Yeah. <laughs> this is just... I'm, I'm used to this shit. Yeah. But also, I think there is a little bit of... I don't know. It's definitely, like... I felt this scene a lot, because he was like, oh, yeah, like, you always... It's always such a... There's a, there's a pull, right? And mm-hmm. this is a, a documented phenomenon in humans. Well, it's, like, it's, it's what causes vertigo. Yeah! So, so again, we have the, the Hitchcock connection it's you want to jump and your mind is like if you jump you're going to die (laughs) (laughs) like hello so it is it is it is vertigo that's literally what causes vertigo i mean there are other that's the psychological vertigo there's also the physical vertigo of the crystals in your um air canal being out of place which causes vertigo I know because i suffered from it until i got a terrible car accident that put the crystals back in place Awesome. I know. Um, I was about to go to see a a cardiologist. They're the ones that deal with inner ear... I don't know why. With inner ear issues. A cardiologist? Yes! They put... They put you on a... Like, one of those, you know, inverted beds and, like, roll you around. And my... I I did not know. (laughs) My vertigo was so bad that every time I stood up, I nearly fainted. Like, I wasn't having any heart issues or anything like that. I was just dizzy and like, and then I got this terrible car accident that spun me around 300, like 360 degrees basically. And, um, <laughs> like literally it spun the car around until I was facing. Do not try that at home. Yeah. Don't try this at home, but it spun the car around until I was facing the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fine. No one was terribly injured. I had a concussion and that's it. But my vertigo stopped. Hey! And I explained this to the cardiologist, and she goes, well, it's what we would have done in a less violent <laughs> way. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> well, there well. So anyway, so vertigo, two causes. The psychological, like, your body wants to, but your brain is like, you're gonna die. And the physical ear crystals. I'm going off on so many tangents. I'm so sorry. It's cool. I mean, brunchisode, man. <laughs> Tangisode. So at this point, we have finally caught up prior to flashback, mm-hmm. and we are at the dancing scene. Yes. And now having context, I noted this actually when I very, very first watched the opening scene. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've ever seen this episode. I've never watched any Agatha Christie's Marvel. Mm-hmm. I noted this when I first watched the episode is that both women were in red dresses and now having context mm-hmm. I fuck the costuming in this episode was so 
fucking good. Yeah. You don't even, like, the symbolism of the costumes is so good. Um, now you've got the two women dancing. Mm -hmm. And Kay is in this bright red dress, big party dress. Like, I mean, it's beautiful what you would expect from a 1950s party girl. Mm -hmm. But then you have Audrey also in the same shade of red, mm -hmm. but in a much more demure silhouette. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know. It was just such fabulous framing of the characters through costuming. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to hire this woman to do my life. Mm -hmm. like, or I guess I say woman, but like, that's an assumption. Uh, but this costumer, I was just like, I hope they got a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> See, but this episode cleaves so well to the book that somebody was reading this book very well and very carefully. And since television is a visual medium, duh, they had to portray these actresses and um, in the way that the book would. And Lady Tresalian calls uh, Kay a scarlet toad something. So, <laughs> so obviously, she, like, she wears toenail varnish. She has her nails done. She's always a bright red and scandalous. And Audrey is much more demure. And she had a, she, in the book, it's, uh, she has a nervous breakdown after the divorce. Mm-hmm. Which is also commented upon yeah. in the episode as well. Like, so Camille, actually, after Mr. Treves shows that he's a pervert. Um, yes, of course. I mean, and mansplays to Marple about murder. Camille calls Marple up to, like, her bedside because they were bosom buddies at school or whatever and is kind of depressing um but she talks about audrey really loving neville and being so upset about the divorce that she ended up having a nervous breakdown mm -hmm. and um, i'm looking up i'm sorry i looked up the costume designer mm -hmm. she has done parades end uh she has done many marbles 11 marbles Gallivant. She did Howard's End. The She did Gallivant? Mm -hmm. I fucking love Gallivant. She's done 20 episodes of Poirot. Um, she's done a lot because she's one of the five British costume designers. Um, <laughs> she, and she's been working for a long time. She's been working since 1985. Um, so her name is Sheena Napier. Good job, Sheena. Cheers to, to Sheena, Sheena Napier. <laughs> But after Camille reveals her true feelings, which she has wont to do in most of this episode, she dismisses Marple, the housekeeper comes up, gives her her tonic, um, and downstairs, back in the... I love how the tonic is supposed to save her from her incessant smoking. Like... <laughs> well, quit. I mean, it was the 1950s. I they didn't really get emphysema and lung cancer and... Like, I mean... By get, I mean understand. Mm -hmm. They didn't really understand where this was coming from. And I mean, point. the 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 air was so bad in the 1950s in England anyway that you know, smoking or not smoking, you were all gonna die anyway. So there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, fair enough. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I go. I you know, I love London. I go there quite often. But when I come back for like a fortnight afterwards, I'm sneezing and coughing up blackness. And that's, oh yeah, the black nose. London is supposed to be clean. 
uh, that it was in the 1950s, but boy, howdy, it is not. But as Marple heads back downstairs to the drawing room or wherever it is that they're having their little get-together, uh, Mr. Treves starts talking about this, about accidental deaths and how he read, like, how something was ruled an accidental death in the newspaper. And he starts recounting this weird story about two children in a bow and arrow mm-hmm. and how that death, uh, when one child shot the other straight through the eye, was ruled an accidental death. But he heard an account after the death, after the sentence, that the child who shot the other child had been practicing in the field. And he would absolutely know him if he saw him. Yes, because, no, he didn't say them. He said them. He said them. I would recognize them by their unusual physical feature. Now, everyone in the party has some kind of unusual physical feature. We have Mary, who has the shock of white hair that she's had since since childhood. We have um, Neville with the extra long appendages. Uh, We Mm -hmm. have, and Mary also has a pronounced gap in her tooth. And then we have Thomas, who who has a dead arm from a Mm -hmm. childhood accident. Um, So they all uh, at this point, suspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Ted rushes out to get something from the car as they're all starting to break up the parties because Ted and, uh, and Marple are staying at the same hotel. Mm-hmm. But Treves is staying at this other hotel where he has always stayed. And he's been very upset because he's been put out of his normal suite on the ground floor and put up to a suite on the top floor. Mm-hmm. But but Neville and Mary volunteer to walk Treves back to his hotel after this big dramatic story. And they get there and the elevator, the lift, is out of order. And he's like, no, no, it'll be fine. I'll be fine. I know I have a bad heart. I've talked about this as exposition to give you a clue. Yeah. But it'll be fine. It'll totes be fine. If I go up the stairs slowly singing a war to him. <laughs> it'll totally be fine. Cool. My next note is the music in this one is super good, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just remember, like, the, the beach scene open. I mean, it looks... This whole episode looks like a Hitchcock film. It does. Like, from, like, costuming to cinematography to directing to the music, it feels like a 1950s film. I, I, it was, I mean, spoilers, it was so good. (laughs) But everyone is at the beach. And Miss Marple is doing her usual Miss Marple thing. Um, She's technically there on a sketching holiday, so she's attempting to sketch the beach scene um and audrey she's talking to audrey who's sitting next to her who says she's completely over neville like super duper we're good Mm -hmm. on that but eventually she ends up falling asleep and we dramatically cut to treves's dead face but no one at the beach knows what's going on so latimer finally comes over and talks to marple and he reveals to this woman he just met that he's been totally totally in love with Kay for this whole time. Yes. I straight up thought they were going to go with a gay storyline here. No. No, because he's in love with her in the book. Well, right, but like, <laughs> I mean, I've never, again, I haven't read this book, and B, like, 
also I'm used to things being a little bit more modernized for these interpretations. I totally, when I first saw this, I read the book, so I was like, but then when I saw Ted, I was like, oh, he's the gay best friend in this. Okay. No. Right. You yeah, totally... I was extremely expecting gay best friend. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, in my head, I was like, oh, they just changed that plot point because they do. I guess we're going to go with, we're just, he is just dapper yeah. and in love with Kay. But over on, like, a large rock, Roy tells Audrey he's, he really kind of hates Neville because he's had everything he's ever wanted, including Audrey, who Roy, Roy has been in love with forever. Thomas Roy has been in love with forever. But at the same time, he still is very curious about his brother's death because he's like, I I just don't get why he was here. Mm -hmm. However, eventually the good times have to come to an end and Camilla informs everyone of Treves' death and asks Mary and Thomas to go over to the Balmoral Court, which is the hotel that Treves was at, to talk to the doctor. Yes. And they learn the lift was not out of order. I'm kind of drunk. Oh, Jesus, really? I'm, I... It's better Prosecco than I expected it to be. No. And I'm even drinking it out of, like, the little champagne glasses. Spoilers. Spoilers. But as Mary and Thomas and Miss Marple discuss this dramatic development, Kay and Neville have a huge blowout argument on the balcony where everyone can hear for convenience sake. And the idea is basically that Neville wants to leave Kay for Audrey again? Yes. Like, okay, bro, you keep trying that. (laughs) Basically, it's like, okay. Yeah, and literally everybody hears. Literally, Camilla hears, Marple hears, everyone hears this big blowout. And... The very that cuts to the very next scene, which again, uh, what was our her name? Sheila, our costumer. Oh, Sheena. 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 Sheena's fucking brilliance shines through. <laughs> where you have no, I'm serious. I'm hundred percent. I'm just, serious. I'm just thinking we're going to find her on Twitter and just tweet her the link to this. We love you, Sheena. Just be, we love you, Sheena. She is an Emmy. <laughs> she is a. Emmy nominated and uh, she is a Golden Globe nominated and a BAFTA winning costume designer. So we're not the only Hell ones. yeah! Get that BAFTA! We're not the only ones who love her. Like, just as a God. Player. I was going to be really upset if she had never actually won. No. She- <laughs> <laughs> mm. Sheena put, so from a blocking perspective, both wives are on either side of Neville, mm-hmm. but Sheena puts them in black dresses, both of them. Again, black dresses, but like Audrey's in this like under, like she has a jacket on over her strapless black dress, but then Kay doesn't. And she's like in this like big sparkly black, like Kay is in this out, like very loud black. I mean, Sheena. Respect. She's a tiny, tiny woman. She looks like my mother. <laughs> she looks like my mom. <laughs> like... <laughs> I wish she was my mom. She... No, that's a lie. I love my mom. I would love her to be my honorary mom. Yeah. She she won for Parades End, which is a, a Benedict Cumberbatch movie. Uh, well, it's a, it. it's a short film, but she looks exactly like my mother. <laughs> She 
should have won something for this fucking episode. Anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but Kay is extremely drunk and talks about an old wives tale, which is how we learn that Neville has an extremely long pinky and therefore becomes a suspect in our unusual physical feature. Yes. Whatever the heck it was called. Yes. Um, and she also asks Royd about his uh, quote-unquote gammy arm. Mm -hmm. And so again, both of them are now put into that physical feature suspect pool because also this is when we really finally get to see Mary's like streak of white hair. So we've got these three people in the suspect mm -hmm. pool. Um, but post-dinner, Neville is clearly upset at Kay for her uh, vulgar display. She laughs at Thomas Royd's story. He explains that he had gotten it caught up in an earthquake. He had caught up, gotten caught up in a door. And so she's like, oh, you're just, you're just the funniest. Yeah, Kay is clearly not a nice person. Like She's also drunk. Eh. But yeah, no, no. I mean, she's very, very drunk. Like, I'm drunk. I get it. It's fine. Things happen. But but I don't laugh at people's physical ailments even when I am drunk because I'm exactly. not a That's shitty my point. person. Right. Kay is a shitty person. Like, before we get to this scene, it's kind of one of those things where you can a little bit, like, you can feel for her because she's very clearly being, like, put aside for the old wife and she thought she <laughs> Not was only that, but also, mean like, in Neville's life. she's in a different class. And Ted talks about yeah. that, about how these people are terrible and, like, just don't like him and shit like mm -hmm. that. And, like, so before this scene, you can kind of feel for Kay. And then she's a dick. <laughs> she's a dick to <laughs> like, Thomas, yeah. She's a complete dick to a guy who's been nothing but nice. Post-dinner, Neville takes off for Easthead, but is stopped by a summons from Camilla. Mm -hmm. And Camilla calls him up to her bedroom, where she forbids Neville from remarrying Audrey. She was like, uh, you did it, you have to fucking do it. Basically. I just learned from you that Audrey is a fibrous actor. She is. Cheerio, but I don't know, somehow, I'm <laughs> Her name is Saffron Burroughs. That's a great fucking name. But, um... Shit. She spent a long... That is a great fucking yeah, name. She spent a long time in Law and Order Criminal Intent. Many, many episodes. Oh! Really? Yeah. Uh, she, I mean, I'm not a Law and Order person, but, like, really? Huh! She had a long... She had, let me see, like, a 12 or 13 episode long arc. She's also in Mozart in the Jungle, something I haven't seen. She's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, but she had... Does, but okay, se serious question. Yes. Does she have a British accent in Law & Order, or is she playing an American? I don't remember, because Criminal Intent is not my favorite version of Law & Order. I prefer the original and SVU. Criminal Intent's a little too weird for me. Um, SVU is legit, though. Yes. Uh, no, she does not have a British accent. She's from Chicago. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, she's also in Boston Legal. Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. Her American accent must be very good. Um, she probably goes on roller coasters all the time. <laughs> My students love when I say that. They're like, when, when they're talking, like when we're practicing, we're doing... My French twos are doing uh, La Marseillaise, and we, mm. we go, and we sing it every day in class just to help people. And 
when we talk about accents and stuff or pronunciation, they're like, yeah, Madam Smith, what about those roller coasters? <laughs> so what's really funny, actually, you say that, but um, again, going back to my cheesy Christmas movie thing, um, and if actually, if you, uh, uh, I don't know how Vanessa Hudgen identifies, but if I remember correctly, she's actually biracial. But yes. um, Vanessa Hudgens is in um, probably the cutest movie that came out this year called um, The Princess Switch. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is she plays, uh, it's kind of like one of those like uh, twin separated at birth type mm-hmm. deals, but she plays a British uh, accent lady and then a, an American, you know, Vanessa Hudgens, mm-hmm. but then they switch places. So her British accent lady has to have an American accent. And I actually noticed and appreciated quite a bit that she overdid her American accent when she was playing the British lady playing in the American. Yes. And I, I was, I would not have noticed that had we not been talking about how Americans do their R's because she very clearly wasn't playing Vanessa Hudgens with her normal ass American accent. She was playing British person trying to be an American person. With her R's. I, with her R's. And it was one of those things that I think the majority of people will not pick up on. But, like, because you and I had talked about it, like, two weeks ago or something <laughs> like that, it was very much top of mind when I heard this. And I was like, holy shit, she just over-enunciated her R to be American. <laughs> but she is American. Yeah, it's... It was very impressive. I, yeah. Cheer, kudos. Kudos, Vanessa Hudgens, for doing more acting than people are giving you credit for. <laughs> well, she's a high school musical girl, so really, how oh, much acting I fucking can you fucking know. do? I fucking know. Don't you even besmirch the name of high school musical on this podcast, I, Sabrina. You know I hate musicals. I will... Sorry, it's a musical. Divorce you. Uh, I don't think we would have been married, so it's fine. I thought we had a pact at some point. Did we? What? I'm pretty sure you and I had a marriage pact. <laughs> well, I'm not 35 yet, so we have a few years. Okay, okay. okay. We have like, we'll figure it we out. We have like two years <laughs> until we have to get married. <laughs> yeah. um, unfortunately, you are going to have to sell your house and move to Iceland. No, girl, you don't even understand. I got like a. I've got a variable rate mortgage. I gotta sell my house in five years anyway. Okay, so good. So you have to, yeah. You you're gonna come to Iceland, or refinance. I could also refinance, and then we could rent it for shit tons of money. There's a Point fucking of, hawk staring at me. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell you, son. If you try and slam into my window, you're going to die. So I know you might want my mimosa. I guess it looks like a tasty bird. <laughs> Next morning, Camilla is dead. And it's actually a pretty ghastly yeah, wound. It's... We have not seen a whole lot of gore <laughs> in these episodes, but this is a pretty gross yeah, one. Yeah, it was gross in the book. So, you know, translating. Uh, this, I'm sorry, this is the closest that we've gotten to the book plot. Down to dialogue, down to, like orders in which things happen down to everything so it's quite good 
The only thing is, it is not a Marvel book. It is a, it's Superintendent Battle's last book. Superintendent Battle was going to be, like, one of her Poirot's or Marvel's, and it just didn't happen that way. Although I love Battle. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense, because my next note is that we actually, literally, I write, I think we have a smart inspector slash superintendent. Yes. And it's a fine British actor. It's Superintendent Mallard, played by Alan Davies. Who is Stephen Fry's sidekick in QI? Stephen Fry and now. Mm. Yes, and now Sandy Tobsvig's sidekick in QI. So he plays that dumb person, even though he fucking went to Cambridge too, or maybe Oxford, or one of them. Uh, so I so yesterday I was watching the City Chelsea match. Mm-hmm. Fuck with Chelsea, uh, and I ended up talking to uh, a fellow City fan whose uh, daughter is going to Cambridge, and it took me a very I, every ounce of self control I had <laughs> not to bring up your fucking Cambridge shit. Oh well, no. <laughs> Do you know what college she's going to? No, sorry. I have zero idea. We are mostly talking about football. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you should have asked him because there's only one college at Cambridge and it's King's. All the other ones are rubbish. <laughs> but we find out that because we have a smart inspector slash superintendent, we figure out that there is a bloody golf club there and she was killed between 10 and midnight. We find out the maid who had given her the tonic had been drugged. Yes. And we find that the murder weapon had been left there with its fingerprints on it. And we also find out that the club, the golf club, is Neville's fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Also find out, as the superintendent interviews everybody, that the estate is supposed to go to him and his wife. Mm-hmm. But, unlike everything else, his wife is named in the will as Audrey Strange. Right. Which we don't find, learn until a little yeah. bit later. But we also do find out that the butler has given Neville a little bit of an alibi, having seen Neville leaving. Oh no, it was it was the maid before she went and took her tonic. No, no, no. This is a slightly different... Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah no, no. This is slightly different. Um, but however, despite this alibi, they do find a blood spattered jacket in his wardrobe. Um, Neville, of course, denies everything. And in Kay's interview, she admits to having the big row with, uh, Rao. And Rao, sure. I wrote, sure. I'm drunk. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm just going to correct everything you say. No, I'm just kidding. Fine, this is my second pedantry podcast. It's fine. <laughs> Kay admits that she's a jealous of Audrey, and but she also admits that she knew about the will. But she thinks that she's getting half of the estate mm-hmm. alongside Neville. Mary does learn that she gets an inheritance for having been by Camilla's side mm-hmm. for all those years. Yeah. And Audrey is interviewed as well and she's extremely cagey and the one big quote I have here is Neville would never kill anyone for money he really wouldn't he wouldn't have to (laughs) Marple however is sitting right outside the interview room with the open window (laughs) eavesdropping (laughs) and literally everyone is eavesdropping I love this but eventually, the maid wakes up from being dosed with barbiturates 
um, and says that she doesn't, Camilla doesn't ever even remember ringing her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was super drowsy, didn't understand why she was up in her room. Yep. The superintendent and his uh, flat-footed DIs, or DCs, or whatever the fuck he has following him around, um, take that ferry over to Easterhead, and they interview Ted, who uh, does confirm that Neville came over to visit him, and he couldn't find him after for a while, but something was really gross and smelly. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Marple catches up to the superintendent and makes the case to why it can't actually be Neville. And in a moment of Marple ex machina, uh, leads them to the actual murder weapon. Yep. Which is a knob on a fireplace grate. Yes. And then one of uh, the superintendent's DSs finds like a tennis racket with a hole screwed into it so that you could like screw the knob into the tennis racket or tape the knob to the tennis racket and like smash somebody with the knob. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a lot of work. It is. Much of this was a lot of work. <laughs> it's murder. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not if you make it hard, I guess. Like, there are so many easier ways. Just. There are so many easier ways to kill people. I'm just saying. Don't, don't quote me. But after, after finding all of this information, the superintendent also finds a glove on the balcony. And, or I say, should say a pair of gloves on the balcony. Neville, when questioned again, reveals that it's Audrey who inherits, not Kay, mm-hmm. and that Audrey has refused her alimony. Or whatever the British version of alimony is. <laughs> The more passive-aggressive version of alimony. Spousal support. (laughs) Right. That's what I said. (laughs) Uh, That was a a funny joke. Come on. (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, we cut to Audrey on the cliffs having her her own suicidal ideation moment. Uh, But Neville grabs her and is like, don't. And like... He kisses her, but she's like, no, stop. And he's like, you'll always be mine until the day you can die. Which is some shit, man. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. This is where everything starts to turn. Yeah. Easterhead, or whatever the fuck that place was called. Easterhead Bay, you right. Hey! A dog named Donald runs up to Marple, and he's gross-smelling, and this poor actress really can't carry this monologue, and that's really my note about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of really good acting in this episode, and then there's this, like, this one particular spot. Not her. <laughs> but basically, she reveals that uh, he, like, found a dead fish on the beach and, like, rolled in it because he's a dog, and... Even though his name is Donald. I mean, actually, like, I think that's a metaphor at this point in life. Um, he rolled it a dead fish, and now he smells. Yes. So, Marple is intrigued by the smell. And sneaks around uh, Camilla's estate. Which I don't... Has a name, and I can't... Didn't write it down. Oh, something point. Gull's point! Yes. No. Gull's yes! Gull's point, I think. Gull's mm-hmm. point. Gull's point. And... Find some uh, wet 
smelly rope. Neville is confronted again by the superintendent who has put all the clues together and all of the evidence points to Audrey and he's like, no, it couldn't have been Audrey. And Marple comes in and is like, it's uh, superintendent, may I talk to you alone for a moment? No. That's my best Marple. <laughs> well, do you want to give it a go? Uh, I don't know how to do old people. Superintendent. I, I believe in you. Just give it a try. Superintendent, might I speak to you for a moment? <laughs> there you go. They're, they're creepy. Uh... <laughs> but Marple reveals that Audrey left Neville, not the other way around. Yes. And she did it for the dead Royce... Royd brother. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. Even though we know that as readers. Yes. Viewers, whatever the fuck we are, podcast listeners, <laughs> the superintendent goes downstairs and arrests Audrey. <clears throat> but strangely enough, he makes them all get on a boat. Yes. <laughs> Let's take a nice sailing tour while I tell you who the killer is. And he and Marple reveal that. The entire thing was to frame Audrey. And that the murderer swam across the bay and climbed a rope up to the house to kill Camilla. And then Miss Marple pushes Ted overboard. And he can't swim. He he even says, I can't swim. And then she's like, oops. But he can't swim. He literally cannot swim. And so the uh, D.I. saves him. And everyone's like, what the fuck? She could have killed him. Fair. Very fair. Attempted murder? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In Uh, pursuit of the truth, but still attempted murder. Like, okay. (laughs) Uh, But they reveal that Mr. Strange did it. And that he was the boy from the bow and arrow story with his weirdly long pinky. Yeah, that he noticed from afar. Yeah, dude. I mean, okay. I was extremely happy with, like, the whole tying together of the clues here. Mm -hmm. But how the fuck would Mr. Tree have seen that? Good question. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Who the fuck knows? The button on the episode is Audrey talking about how Neville has basically gaslit her, this like her entire relationship with him, and how she fell in love with Adrian, the deadroid brother, and um like never felt even after the divorce that she was free yes. of Neville's influence. And so it was a good little wrap-up of Neville. And Miss Marple reveals that her main witness uh, that saw the figure climbing the rope was a fabrication. Yeah, she's like, ah, she could have seen it. Yeah, she's young. She's spry. She could have seen it, but she's also addicted to historical romances. <laughs> so. Same, girl, same. Shut <laughs> And Audrey goes off to Royd and has a romantic kiss in the sunset with the brother of the man she used to love. Well, 
you know, one of them's dead, so. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Did you figure it out? Yes. Did you figure it out before you read the book? I mean, I read the book before I watched the thing, so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Did you figure it out before, like, the book's end? Oh, yes, yes, definitely. Because, so, everyone else was somewhere. And so, like, it was weird because everyone else had somewhere and only one person really could have done the uh, out-of-order thing and would have had a reason to kill Treves. See, okay, I did not figure it out. I have absolutely thought it was Thomas Royd. I thought it was Thomas Royd because he had been, like, out for a constitutional when Treves was... yeah. Not killed, but, like, the when the outer order sign could have been put mm-hmm. on. So, like, he... And he had a physical abnorm- abnormality. And um, he clearly loved Audrey. Yes. So I thought, like, framing Neville and then framing Audrey made sense. Yes. Oh, definitely. Because he had been spurned. So I 100% thought it was going to be Thomas Royd and that his, like, physical abnormality was going to be, like, actually not an impediment to him swimming across the channel. Yes. But I was wrong. I mean, <laughs> it's it's difficult when you have a completely dysfunctional arm. Well, so here's the thing. Being a person who doesn't follow 1950s British slang a whole lot, I didn't really realize that gammy arm meant like his whole fucking arm didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was more of like he had a bad hand because he kept the... the um, the glove on yeah that hand and so i thought it was like a hand specific thing which doesn't mean that you can't swim yeah oh no very true you're not wrong and so uh but i mean clearly a very good red herring yes yes definitely no definitely um i think i don't i think that was actually supposed to it's supposed to be a false god damn it the hawk is still there shown that Mm -hmm. at any point in time it would have been like if they had shown a prosthesis Mm -hmm. after maybe on like the boat or something yeah had he he taken it off like i can't do anything i i guess i could have beaten her with the arm (laughs) that would have been a great red hair yeah just like a ball on the end of the arm and then a glove on top of that yeah they would have to check that for blood Exactly. Did you like this episode? I really like this episode. The book was really, real well written, and the the um the episode cleaved very closely to the book, which I appreciated because I my mind is not good with anything over like twenty five minutes. So like, <laughs> so like watching these long ass episodes, it's like uh, okay, I'm gonna go do something else now <laughs> while also yeah. watching this. Uh, I fucking loved this episode. I don't know if you could tell by my effusive praise of this episode, but I loved this episode. It was so fun. It was so... It I it, it tried to do something very different from pretty much every other murder mystery we have watched so far, and I really appreciated that. Like, it really was Hitchcocky in, in filming and direction and 
apparently, like, so I looked up a little bit on IMDb, like I always do. Mm -hmm. The two directors of this episode went uncredited, as you can see from the actual episode from watching it, but, like, they did a real fucking good job. Good job. And then, of course, Sheena. (laughs) Respect Sheena. Sheena, Uh, a.k.a. my mom. (laughs) Sheena, our honorary mom. Like, I mean, the costuming was fucking brilliant. Like, I didn't even note, like, I didn't note it so, like, in the plot, but, like, there was this point after that you find out that, um, Audrey, like, during the day, the two women are clothed differently with, you know, Kay having her very loud style and, and Audrey having her very subdued style. Mm-hmm. But then after the point at which Audrey gets arrested, even during the night scenes, they have different styles. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I mean, it's a, so subtle and so important to kind of setting the character tone. Yes. As, like, these two women are in opposition, but then after that scene with Neville, they are not in opposition whatsoever. You kind of get a lot more sympathy for both women. Yes. And, I mean, the costuming was brilliant. The cinematography was brilliant. The whole thing is set up to be Hitchcock-esque. I fucking loved it. <laughs> yes, it was a very good episode. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought about the difference between Yule and I praise. Yes, it was quite good. And you're like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever! And I'm like, yes, quite good. Quite good, yes. This is why, I mean, right? Like, it's watching, like, like if you have an American commentator and a British commentator on the same football match. <laughs> yes, although, you know, there are some, there are some pretty effusive uh, British football commentators. But, um, but they're only... They're Britishly effusive. Yes. It's, it's not the same. It is absolutely Very not the same. Um, they're, they're more like just British uncles who <laughs> who you go you go over to theirs because they've got Sky. And so and they're telling, <laughs> they're having their they're having their pint and telling you all about it. And so that's the difference. For sure. Uh did you like your wine? Yes, my Prosecco, well, I don't know, it was covered in orange juice, but it did not hurt the orange juice. So yeah, it was good. Makes a good mimosa. Yeah, it makes a very good mimosa. Kirkland's never really lets me down with anything, I'm going to be honest. I am a Costco girl through and through. Um, Costco is actually in Iceland. Um, my friend <laughs> my friend insists that this is the end of Iceland and they're going to have like a Walmart and things like that, but you know, there's a difference. But so, um, Costco is... Costco is one of those few companies that I don't hate. I am anti-capitalist and anti-business, but Costco is not horrific. And they pay a good wage. Yeah, they pay a good wage. They pay a, they pay a living wage. They close Thanksgiving and Christmas um, and some other days. Um, mm-hmm. They give paid uh, family leave. They're not horrific. So I'm I don't hate them as much as I hate everything else now. <laughs> uh, out of out of I guess the Sabrina scale, uh, one through nine, where is your prosecco falling? Seven and a half. I'm gonna give it an eight, actually. Shit. Right. Good job, Cutlets. <laughs> I'm almost done with my entire bottle. No, I still have quite a bit left. <laughs> I've been drinking, girl. Uh, for a $11 bottle of Prosecco in Co- Colorado, which is like a $9 bottle most other places, 
I'm going to give this a good 9 out of 10. Yes. It's definitely, it's not pleasant on the nose when I sniffed it. I yeah, like, oh, I drink, I got myself yeah, into, I but... drink a, uh, a wine that was like that, that smelled like vomit, but was delicious. Come yeah, on. no, this is pretty, pretty tasty as just like, I'm straight up drinking it without any orange juice or anything like that. I think it would make an excellent mimosa and, uh... A good, good cap off to our brunch episode. Yes. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, you can follow us on our Twitters. I'm at Classlicity. I'm at SDM Rights. And you can follow our official Twitter at Wine Murder Night, where you should follow us because every five episodes of whatever we're watching, we make you vote for what we watch next. So we're watching Miss Marple right now. Who knows what we could watch next? That was was that spooky? I feel like that was kind of spooky. Uh, Who knows? Why why are you doing spooky? These aren't spooky. We're not watching the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Ghost of Christmas Future. Oh yes! Because our next episode is a Christmas episode. Our next episode is going to be a special Christmas episode. So normally we would be watching season three episode four of miss marple but we're gonna do something fun and different because then we will have to take a break because i will not be in the country you can subscribe to wine and murder night on itunes or spotify or whatever but you should absolutely tell your friends and family to listen especially if they like cozy mysteries and drinking if you leave us a five-star review or you know shit we'll take a fucking four-star review if you leave us a positive review we will read it and give you a shout out if you leave us a sheena however if you leave us a negative review we will kill you no we won't we won't kill you. But we would know how to get away with it if you did. <laughs> yes. Uh, as always, we would like to say what, Sabrina? Spasiba. Spasiba to Anton Koryokov, uh, composer and performer of Simple Life, our theme song, which is off the album Restart. Or Restart, I don't really know. He capitalizes it weird. Till next time.